Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode nine of Pridecast, the official podcast of Hofstra Athletics. Today, we are thrilled to be joined by assistant men's basketball coach Craig Speedy Claxton, one of the all-time great men's basketball players here at Hofstra University. Sit back and enjoy, and thanks for listening. Go Pride. And we are now joined by Hofstra men's basketball assistant coach Craig Speedy Claxton, a 2000 graduate of the university. Craig, Speedy Claxton, thanks for joining us today. Of course. Thanks for having me. So let's get right into it. Uh, Speedy, obviously you're a beloved member of the Hofstra community uh, for many years now. Let's start uh, the Speedy podcast here with the start of your Hofstra time. Can you talk about the recruiting Coach Wright and other members of staff did with you? I guess it's about 1994-95. When, when did that start? How did it begin? And and uh, tell us a little about it. It probably started when I came to team camp here. Um, Coach Wright and them, Coach Wright and his staff had team camp, and he brought a, he brought this crazy king down. A couple of local schools from Long Island, and some more city schools, and then um, I guess that's when they started seeing me first. And then after that, there was a, basically every game I had, uh, whether it was citywide. Uh, Gaucho, round ball. Every, it seemed like everywhere I played, uh, one of the staff members was there. You graduated high school in 1996 from Christ the King, right? Yes. Uh, and when, when did you make your commitment to Hofstra University? Uh, the fall of my senior year. And then right after I made my commitment, a lot of big schools started coming after me, St. John's, Georgia Tech, Seton Hall. But uh, this felt like the right choice, so I stuck with my decision at the time. And that's something that people here around this community really respect you. Obviously, you did so much on the court for this university, but there was something about that commitment and sticking with it that people just really respect about you. What, why was that so important to you at the time, and why, looking back, did that mean so much to you to stick with your original decision? Because um, I'm a man of my word, and it just didn't feel right to, to say I was going to do something and then not do it. And then that's how I lived my whole life. If I said I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. Um, I'm a trust. I'm a trustworthy guy. Well, what what was it about Coach Wright that you saw? Obviously, uh, Coach has turned into a Hall of Fame coach. He's nearing 500 wins in his career, which is an amazing accomplishment. What what did you see in the middle of the 1990s that obviously a lot of people hadn't seen yet because he had just started taking over the Hofstra program? He was a great person on and off the court. Uh, he was like another father figure. Um, you go and talk to him about everything. And he just, he just felt real genuine. He was a genuine person. That's what I liked about him the most. I felt comfortable around him. So the first year at Hofstra was a little bit of a struggle, and then things really took off. Uh, did you see the makings of a great program that initial year? You guys were obviously below 500, but then it quickly turned, uh, and obviously we'll get to your senior year there. Yeah, you know, it didn't start off great uh, when I got here. I think we ended the season like 12 and 14, but you could tell that we was going to be good. Um, Coach Wright was instilling the culture here to play hard. Uh, and you could see we was in a lot of those games, and then we was just come up short um, at the end. So you could just tell that we just re- needed to recruit better talent. And then that's what we did over the course of the couple of years that I was here. And that's why we became good my, by my senior year. Do you remember your first college game? Who it was? Anything? What you did? My first college game. Um. I'm sorry, I put you on the put Man, some pressure on you here. I shouldn't know this. I I want to say Stony Brook, but I'm not 100 percent certain. So, like I said, 
it was the first year was a little bit of struggle, and then things took off. Uh, then your senior year is obviously one of the greatest in program history for you and the team. Um, at what point in that season did you know that this team was going through something special and that yeah, the ultimate goal was well within reach? Oh, from day one. I knew we had a special team. You could just tell how we we competed on, on the court. Um, we had all the, the right pieces that you need to have a great team. Um, we had shooters. We had the good post people. We had a great point guard. <laughs> so I knew the makeup um, of the team was, was going to be good, and we had a great coach. Uh, do, you, do you still recall the moment standing on the ladder at the end of the 2000 season, 1999-2000 season, and what, what went through your head or, like, the, the, the relief that kind of went through you? Oh, yeah, I'll never forget that. I mean, that was probably the – even with me winning an NBA championship, like, that was the best moment of my basketball career. Because to have come from what we, from my freshman year, and it's just to build every year, and it's just to finally have that happen for us in the community, my senior year, it was great. It was memorable. I'll never forget that. So you kind of took away two of my questions there. But <laughs> so was standing on the ladder your greatest Hofstra achievement, uh, or does something more individual, whether it was your retired jersey or something along those lines, go into that? Nah, that was definitely the most memorable. Uh, part of my career. I mean, to, people got to understand, when you're in a mid-major conference, only one team goes. So that makes it just that much more special. And then, like I said, to build every year, to get closer and closer and closer to our goal, and to finally have it happen senior year, it was the best way I best way to go out. And it was quite a rivalry with uh, fans of today may not remember, but it was quite a rivalry with Delaware in those days. Obviously, both Hofstra and NCAA tournament appearance under Coach Wright were over Delaware, and they were very good, Mike Pegues and other players like that. Uh, do you recall the days of that rivalry? Was that the best rivalry in the American East for you? Oh, yeah, by far. I'll never forget that. I mean, even when I go – I remember this last time we went down there, one of the fans uh, – yelled out to me. They say, hey, Speedy, I, I looked. They was like, we're glad you're not playing. <laughs> so it was, it was cool. I mean, I remember, I remember it. The fans down there remember it. And it was just it's just something that was it was great for the program and the conference. And, and special to win at home, which uh, obviously the CA, current, our current conference, it's all one site. But back then, the American East, you went back to the home site at top seed, and that obviously made it all the more special. Oh, yeah. I mean, it made the regular season – that much more meaningful. I mean, because you knew if you had a good regular season, you would get to host the championship game. So in that aspect, we knew we had to have a great season. And then to host the the championship game, it's, it's a good likelihood you're going to win. Um, so that's what we kept in mind. That's why we fought tooth and nails every game. And Delaware was so good on that home court that we didn't. We definitely didn't want to see them on that home court. So your senior year, obviously, the uh, Max Sports Complex opened, then Hofstra Arena opened as well. Um, people could say you played a role in that, the, that it coming about, the success of the program, the recruitment of Speedy Claxton. Um, what was it like to, to walk after playing in the PFC for uh, three years and then just walking into this glamorous new arena in January of 2000 and, and being part of, obviously, and the team was having such a special season? Uh, it was a little bit of a difference, I would say. <laughs> I mean, you know, coming from the PFC – it was probably a 2,000 seat uh, gym to come into a 5,500 uh, seat arena. It was a big difference. I mean, that's where you could tell. That's when you could tell that the program was really making big strides. You could see that they was investing 
the, uh, the money into the basketball program, and it was taken to that next level. So in your career, you're currently seventh here at Hofstra all-time in scoring, first in assists, first in steals. I know what I think the answer is, which one you're most proud of. I think it's assists, just from when I see your conversations with Wanye Green over the past. Which one do you look at and be like, wow, that was that, I'm really proud of that number? I'm, I'm actually proud of all my accomplishments here. Uh, the assist record, I got a little worried. I thought Wanye was going to break it last year, but thank God that we got him out of here. Uh, but I'm definitely thankful that I got the assist break, and hopefully no one breaks it anytime soon. You know, you're, you're such a humble person, and you, you don't go out talking about, you know, my jersey's up there or this and that. Uh, but you work in a building which has your jersey in the, in the stand, in the rafters. You look up in the rafters, and there's a team that you were on that was went to the NCAA tournament. Uh, what's it like to embrace that role as somebody who's really, you know, a face of the program and a face sort of the university as well? I love it. Uh, I embrace it. I'm happy for it. Uh, that's one. Of, that's one of the main reasons why I decided to come here back then. Uh, I wanted to change the program and be the the big fish in the small pond. And I thank God I'm reaping all the benefits now. So now, now we'll move on to your the next phase of your career, the NBA years, uh, June of 2000. Where are you when the NBA draft's being held? I think I remember, was it Bogarts yeah, with Coach Wright? So that night you're at Bogarts with Coach Wright, and who else is there? Yeah, we, was at, we had a little draft party. By I, the way, Bogarts is what now is BurgerFi across the street from Hofstra's campus. Yeah, uh, back then I, I was, unfortunately I didn't get invited to the draft, so we had a draft party at Bogarts across the street. Uh, Coach Wright was there, of course myself, a lot of my, all my family, all my friends, uh, a lot of the, the news media's outlet. It was it was a good night. Um, it's a little nerve wracking because every time each pick went went on, I had a bunch of cameras come to me like I was getting picked number one through number five. So it was a little nerve wracking, but uh, it was a great night. Did you now the Sixers came out of nowhere? Because I'm a huge Sixers fan from Philadelphia. I didn't know anything that, that was going to occur. Did you have any knowledge prior to the pick being made that Philadelphia's going to be picking you, or are you still in the dark. No, I was still in the dark. Um, I actually turned Philadelphia down for a workout um, coming into the draft. Um, and I was, we was all shocked that they picked me. I mean, that was one, that was the one hat that Coach Wright didn't have at the time. He went on and brought a bunch of hats. And, uh, that was one of the hats that he didn't have, so I didn't get to put on a hat uh, that night until the next day when I was actually out there for the, uh, for the media day. And then what happens in the immediate aftermath of getting selected in the NBA draft? Does somebody from the team call you? Was it Coach Brown or somebody other else? Or how, how does that work that night? I, I think I believe my agent called me first. And then he said that Coach Brown and Billy King was going to be calling. And they beeped in right away. So I got to talk to them that night. And then Eric Snow actually called me that night, too, to uh, welcome me to the team. So it was, it was a great night. I mean... Memorable. This is so that was the start of a long, long time friendship with Eric Snow. We'll get into some NBA friendships a little bit. Uh, but Eric Snow was on a Florida Atlantic staff last year, and I saw you guys were obviously very friendly from your Philadelphia years. Yeah, East Snow is always a good friend. I still speak to him from time to time. Um, I actually spoke to him this past year because one of their players is transferring, so I wanted to pick his brain about it. But Eric, Eric Snow will always be a good friend of mine. So uh, you get to the NBA and you're in camp with the Philadelphia 76ers. What's it like to explain, you've talked about it coming from mid-major, like how do you explain Hofstra, who you are, and just kind of get 
get your feet wet in the NBA and get the respect that you obviously deserve? I mean, you got to get the respect on the court. They see how hard you're working, and then uh, they see that you belong. I mean, it was a little nerve-wracking for me because here I am, got to got drafted. You know, I was young, uh, came from a mid-major team, so I didn't really know what to expect. And then I'm going up against guys that I admired, I looked up to, uh, AI, East Snow, Aaron McKee. So it was a little nerve-wracking the first day. Um, but after that, I, was, I fit right in. I went to war with them. What was that first Sixers team like? Because obviously you just mentioned Allen Iverson, one of the all-time greats in the sport, uh, and some other very good veterans. Uh, we was a blue-collar team. We came to work every day, um, came to practice hard for the most part. Well, everybody except for AI, really. Nah, he did practice hard. That's, everybody, that's a misconception of him. Um, but... We was a blue-collar team. We worked hard. Uh, we knew we wasn't the most talented, so we had to play hard. Now, did you tear your ACL your rookie year or the second year? Tore my rookie year in the preseason game against Utah Jazz. Uh, how deflating was that? You've worked your whole life to get to that point. Do you feel like your dream is over at that point, or do you think, like, I'm going to be good? I really didn't know what to, to think at that point. Um, I, I was actually in denial. At, in the beginning, um, the doctor, they took me back to the in the locker room, and then I knew it kind of felt weird at the time, but then once I got back to the to the locker room, I was like, nah, it's, it's feeling better. So doc, Dr. McFillamy at the time, who's like, well, all right, well, get up and walk. So I, I was like, all right. So I got up, tried to walk, and it just collapsed, and then I was like, this, damn, I knew, I knew it was serious. Um, I didn't think my career was over, but it was definitely delayed. Was this your first major injury of your basketball career? Yeah, it was definitely my first major injury, and I didn't know what to expect. I mean, it seemed like everybody else in there was heartbroken. I knew they, I guess they knew what it meant. Um, you know, it was like AI was in there, Aaron McKee was in there, Tyrone Hill, and it was all just shaking their head in disbelief. And I, I was like, damn, this this joint must be like real serious. I didn't really know what to expect at the time. And how long did it take you to feel back to 100% or close enough where you felt comfortable on the court? Uh, well, I got back on the court in six months. Um, it was a long rehab process. Um, I was with Jim McNulty, my therapist, for four or five hours a day um, doing double sessions. And then I had to basically learn how to walk all over again and then run all over again. So it was a long process. I didn't really get back on the court till like six months and then I didn't really feel comfortable 100% probably for like a full year. So you're back on the NBA playing. Uh, what was the biggest adjustment from the college game to the NBA? People always say speed of professional sports to college is the vast difference. Is that kind of what you saw? Yeah, definitely. I mean, when I was in college, it wasn't too many nights where I was going against somebody with the same speed or same as the athleticism as me, whereas in the NBA, that's all you see. Uh, everybody's as fast as you, as strong as you, as athletic as you. Um, so that's when your, 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 your basketball IQ got to take over. So in your NBA career, you actually had the great, uh, you were coached by two of the all-time greats in the sport, Greg Popovich and Larry Brown. Uh, Larry Brown first, Greg Popovich in, your, in the highlight of your NBA career. Just talk about what it's like to learn from those two uh, just legends of the game. It was great. I mean, looking back at it, I, I've played for some Hall of Fame coaches, um, from Jay Wright to Larry Brown to Greg Popovich. So I um, definitely got a great knowledge 
from them. Um, those guys, it was a great experience learning from them from them every day. And I'm actually good, all still good friends with all three of those guys. And that's probably the only three coaches that I am cool with. Do Do you feel like? Uh playing for Coach Wright, Coach Popovich, and Coach Brown played a role in where you are today as an assistant coach, or is that just more of a, this is where you felt like your life is? I was probably destined to coach, um, but those guys definitely helped me. Um, they probably, they definitely made me a better coach and obviously a better basketball player, so I, I, I thank them for uh, helping me develop. So, uh, San Antonio Spurs, uh, game six of the 2004, Three. 2003 NBA Finals, uh, you're put on the court, I forget, was it Tony Parker in place of Tony Parker? Yes. Uh, that's really like the defining moment of your career. Uh, you helped you lead your team to the NBA Finals. What What's that moment like on the biggest stage in the h- highest level of the sport? It was surreal. I mean, at the time, you're going through it, you really don't, you're really not thinking about it. But then looking back at it, you're like, wow, I was really in an NBA championship game when it actually counted and I mean it was it was great I still watch the games today and then feel like this this is crazy that I'm actually watching myself in the NBA championship series um you know growing up watching Michael Jordan and Isaiah Thomas and all those guys Matthew Johnson and the championship and then actually to actually be able to experience it and be on the court when the game counted and to win it there's, there's nothing you can say about that uh, I imagine it came earlier in your NBA career, but was that the, I guess, the icing on the cake that you've made in the NBA, or is just fact playing in the NBA is the really the icing on the cake? What 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 did that do for you personally, uh, playing in that game and ultimately winning a title? Um, that kind of cemented my myself as being a, a bona fide NBA player. I mean, to be on to be in, on that stage and not be on the bench, but to be on the court when it counted and to be uh, counted upon was special. I mean, I think that's what set me up to get a good contract um, that final year. Um, I know San Antonio wanted me back, but at that point um, they had Tony and then they couldn't afford to pay me that much to be Tony's backup, so I had to move on. So you obviously win the title in 2003. Uh, We'll move on for a little bit more of your NBA career. Uh, Let's see if you remember. Uh, career high in points in the NBA, and who was it for slash against? Uh, it was 28 points. 29. T- okay, 29 points. You're for, close, though. For, close for, enough. <laughs> it was with a broken hand, too. Oh. <laughs> uh, for Golden State Warriors against Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, I think you're wrong in the teams, but I'll confirm with you no, later. I'm definitely not. I'm definitely right. I believe the Pelicans were involved. N- nah. Okay, I'll check, but I'll trust you. Uh, so last year, Villanova wins a national title. Uh, your college coach and somebody obviously as you mentioned you're very close with coach Wright wins the title uh, how much joy did you feel for him and well, what did you feel watching that game and as they won? Oh, I was so proud of him so proud of him I mean it was it was almost like I was on the court I was I was there with him um, I almost shed a tear I was so happy um, to see him on that stage and to to win a national championship against North Carolina who's a who's a storied college I mean you know, you can't say you can't take nothing away from that man. I mean, he's a legend. He's a legend in my books. How long after he won the title did you text or call or just say, "Hey, congrats"? I think my text was going through as the shot was going up because I knew it was good. I mean, once I seen Chris Jenkins' shot go up, I started sending texts like, "Congrats." You've touched on a little bit here already, but 
why coaching? Uh, obviously, you've had a very highly successful career. Uh, you've done well professionally. Uh, what made you say, you know what, I really want to do this? You started off scouting for the Warriors, and then you came here. Why here, and why now? I love the game. Um, wanted to stay in the game. Wanted to to help younger players get to where I got to. Um, and then wanted to come back home. Um, got tired of going from city to city, so I kind of just wanted to stay stay in one city and um, just help build this program to back to how it was when I was here. Uh, best coaching or playing advice Coach Wright ever gave you? Uh, play every play like it's just like it's the last. I mean, Coach Wright really make you play hard and he really uh make you play d i mean you see how villanova plays they scrappy i mean you gotta go out there and be scrappy a couple more questions before we end the podcast here uh best friend at hofstra when you played and best friend in the nba best friend at hofstra would have to be norman richardson um and my best friend in the nba it'll have to be either lamar odom or chris paul um you know, me and Lamar went to high school together, so of course we're gonna be tight. But then uh, me and Chris became such great, great, great friends when we played each, with each other that one year in um, Oklahoma City. I mean, he's he's still a good friend. Uh, speaking of Oklahoma City, you were actually on the uh, New Orleans team that was affected by Hurricane Katrina, correct? Yes. Uh, what was that time like for you as a pro? Just everything thrown into flux, uh, and then you were the. I guess the first ever team to play in Oklahoma City. Yeah, it was crazy. I mean, at the t- at at that time, I think it was around September, early September. Um, so we was getting ready to go back to training camp, um, and training camp I believe started in October. So we was starting to transition to working our way back into city. But then Katrina happened, so I was like, oh wow, well we can't go back there. So we was kind of didn't know what was gonna happen, what city was gonna be in. It was kind of tough, um, and then finally. We got to go to Oklahoma City, and we didn't know what to expect. Um, we knew Oklahoma City was excited to have an NBA team, um, but we didn't know who they was going to be cheering for. You know, we wasn't really their team, so we we figured that they was going to be rooting for the Kobe Bryants and the LeBron James and the Allen Iversons when they came in, but that, was, that wasn't the case at all. Um, they embraced us from day one. I mean, it was a great environment. Um, it was a packed house every night. And it paid, kind of paved the way for what they are now today, I guess. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's a great city to play in. Great. Uh, and then our final question, Speedy, I- I'm required by law in an interview with you to ask the question. Can you tell the crowd, if they don't know you at all, why, where'd you get Speedy from? Oh, uh, that nickname came back, came about back in the 7th, 8th grade. I used to always play against... Um, Audie Cox team who coached Brooklyn Queens Expressway and they didn't really know my name so they just used to always call me the Speedy Kid. Then I actually went to summer camp at Christ the King with a lot of his kids and then they they just referred to me as Speedy and then everybody just caught on so, and, and it just stuck. Well Speedy thanks for joining us today on the uh, podcast, the official podcast of Hofstra Athletics and uh, we appreciate your time. No problem, thanks for having me. We're back with Craig Speedy Claxton for the Pride Five. Five questions with Coach Claxton. Uh, Speedy, who's the most famous person in your cell phone? The most famous person? uh, Probably be Chris Paul. Okay. Uh, Speedy, what was your favorite NBA city uh, either you played for or that you've just visited? I would say Toronto. Oh, that was quick. Yeah, Toronto is a really nice city. 
Uh, now, I asked you before in the podcast, your best friend while playing, who was the best player you played with, both NBA and at Hofstra? Best player I played with was Tim Duncan. Um, and best, per- best person I played with at Hofstra, I would have to say Jason Hernandez. Um, Speedy, you're your man. You love your food. I, you know, we everyone sees you. You go out to eat a lot. <laughs> what What's your favorite food uh, currently? My favorite food would have to be steak. I'm a, I'm a great. I'm a big steak person. And the, those who have known you for many years know that bowling is a love of yours. Correct? Oh yeah. Uh, so much. So much in the fact that I have installed a bowling alley in my house. <laughs> we're, we're some of us are well aware. So I, uh, two questions. Why are you such a bowling fan? What, where'd that love of bowling, serious question, where'd the love of bowling come from? Uh, me and my friends used to just go out to the bowling alley every Sunday. And then, you know, was, I'm, a, I'm a competitor, so I always wanted to win. And then, you know, once you become good at something, you want to become great. And then I just got better and better as, as time went along. So then it, I just became more of a fan of it. And then final question, what is the highest bowling score you've ever bowled? My highest score is at 299. I missed the 300 in the last frame. I got a 9 instead of a 10. In literally the last fl- frame? Yes, literally the last frame. A uh, bunch of witnesses, all my friends was there. But they'll put an asterisk next to it because they said it was at my house. So, Oh, so they're saying you, maybe you had, the, you had the lane a little ready to go yeah, for you? A little home court advantage. But I guess it uh, came back to haunt you because you only you missed by one pin. Yeah, but they was, they was happy that I missed because they did not want to see me get a perfect game. Well... Uh, Coach Claxton, thank you so much for joining us today, and uh, good luck the rest of the season. And uh, once again, thanks for joining us here on the uh, Pridecast. No problem. Thanks, guys. Thank you once again for listening to Pridecast, the official podcast of Hofstra Athletics. Thanks again to Craig Speedy Claxton for being today's guest. Coming up in Hofstra Athletics, the men's basketball team will be at Drexel on Thursday. The women's basketball team will be at the College of Charleston on Friday. Wrestling will host Buffalo on Saturday, and men's basketball will also be home on Saturday against Elon. The men's lacrosse team will have some scrimmages this weekend, and women's basketball is back on the court again at home on Sunday against Elon. Thanks, as always, for your support of Hofstra Pride Athletics, and to learn more about Hofstra Pride Athletics, visit GoHofstra.com. Thanks. Go Pride.